Talking Single is a podcast featuring three strong women raised between Lagos and London, but we all live in London. We talk about life, love and everything in between, challenging stereotypes and questioning what it means to be a woman navigating life today. Our podcast is called Talking Single simply because it's what we do and who we are. Enjoy. Today's topic is female fertility. And hosting today is me, Keisha, um, the fun-loving on Romantic, as you all know. And here with me is Crystal, the recovering love addict. Hey, hey everyone. <laughs> and uh, I've got Ruby too, our cautious, very cautious romantic. Hi, guys. Hey. Okay. So, though female fertility is a universal topic and it affects all women, I am approaching this topic today as a black single female, because that's what brought us all together on this podcast. So, you know, that's what we're going to be talking about. It's a big topic, but we're going to focus on adoption, surrogacy and egg donation. Um, I'll be asking, what do you do if you want children, uh, but can't find Mr. Right? Or maybe you even, you can't medically have children. There's a medical reason for it. I'll also be asking why black girls don't donate eggs to help out other black women. Um, Cause yeah, we have a lot of thoughts around that. So as black women, we are told that the joy of being a mother is the ultimate experience and goal of any woman. Um, however, our reproductive organs are on the timeline. Um, and because women peak our, our peak reproductive years are said to be between um, late teens and late 20s. So that's rather young. And um, we're also told that by age 30, a woman's fertility or the ability to get pregnant starts to decline. Then the decline becomes more rapid once the woman reaches their mid-30s. By the age of 45, a woman's fertility has declined so much that getting pregnant naturally is much, much more difficult. Um, so, you know, let me first ask, why, why are women, you know, having these scientific facts and knowing these things, why are women not more proactive about childbirth? I mean, what do women need to think about when it comes to fertility? What, what should we be considering? I mean, Crystal, what, what, what do you think? I think, um, women need to start considering child uh, fertility at the age of maybe 25. Um, and you need to take into consideration maybe freezing your eggs. Oh, okay. Or it's expensive. So maybe asking your parents who often tend to at that age say go and get married maybe asking them to donate towards helping you freeze your eggs. Yeah, because in your 20s, um, you might not have the funds. Yeah, that's, for me, anyone who's in their 20s, I think it's something you definitely need to think about. But unfortunately, as Africans and speaking in the Nigerian context, because that's what I know, it's not something we ever talk about. It's not something I was told even till today it's not yeah. a discussion anyone has had with me and it's often with with friends like you guys that yeah we've we had that uh, discussion so yeah, yeah yeah i mean what do you think ruby well i think 
times have changed. I mean, I know in my 20s, um, the discussions I had with friends, with family was get married, find the guy and get married. That was the singular discussion, right? We, we didn't know much about um, egg freezing, fertility, because the idea was, you know, you're supposed to get married in your, in your 20s. And so that's kind of how, for a lot of us, the discovery of the time limits that we have was made much more apparent in our mid thirties um, or even in our late thirties. Um, yeah, same for me. You know, and so I think for for our for a lot of us, it's potentially too too late to consider that. Mm. But for women in their late twenties, and I probably would say in your early thirties, really think about freezing your eggs if you haven't even if you do have a partner just freeze it anyway and so to make that financial requirement you would start saving in your 20s so we start we start thinking about buying a house you know planning why don't you plan for this it's a major investment in yourself isn't it exactly you know so so start thinking about that it really should be part of our kind of forward planning Mm. um it should be a fundamental part of it. And if I could tell my younger self something, it would have been put money aside to give yourself the option of doing this. Um, and I think if the awareness for me is the biggest thing. So if I'm talking to anybody in, in her 20s or 30s, that's what I would be saying. Put money aside to give yourself the opportunity to do this. Yeah. Um, it's more about the choice, isn't it? Giving yourself that option, especially mm. that when we know that for female fertility around the age of what, I think mid forties or, you know, 42 and above, the quality of the actual eggs you produce literally just declines and falls off a cliff. So yeah. if you know the peak for the best quality of eggs is around in your late twenties and early thirties, take action. I think that's the takeaway from that. I think um, one other thing I would also quickly say is we need to know as women, you know, our biological history. So, for example, um, in, your, in, in a woman's family, you need to know how early do you get perimenopausal because that's the sign that your eggs are, are done. And oh, it could wow. be as early as 40. You know, some people don't realize that. So ask your mom, you know, when did she start her menopause? If you have an older sister, ask the question. Go and get okay. yourself checked out. Check okay. your thyroid levels, your vitamin D levels. All of these things matter to the quality and the longevity of your eggs. Um, oh, wow. And okay. these are things that we don't think about or talk about. And we yeah. should. I did not know that. that. That is an action for me. Thank you very much. Okay. Um, okay. All right. So giving birth later in life is more common. Um, and in this day and age, as we say, times have moved on. Um, and the most common age of a woman at childbirth continues to increase as women delay having children for various reasons, some of which we've already covered. I mean, in the UK, the Office of National Statistics states that, and I'm quoting here, the common age at childbirth for women born in 1973 who reached age 45 in 2018 was 31 years an increase compared with 24 years for their mother's generation born in 1946. So previously, women were giving birth at the age of 40, um, um, 24, 
but now women are giving birth at the age of 31 and that was at 1973. Now we're in 2020, I suspect women are giving birth a lot later. So where does this leave women who don't want to be a single parent, so they want to have a partner, however, they can't find Mr. Right in order to raise children with, or women who are medically infertile. And bear in mind, we've already mentioned that a lot of women do not get themselves checked. So you might not even know whether you're medically infertile, medically infertile or not. Um, Crystal, have you ever felt that society, um, your family or even friends have put pressure on you to have children? I mean, especially as a Nigerian. Yeah, um, not friends. Okay. But family, yes, mum, aunties, could get a call from an auntie going, hey, um, the clock is ticking. Mm -hmm. and I hate that word. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's a clock inside me ticking. Yeah. But what am I supposed to do about it? It's, it's always that. The clock is ticking. That's right. Yeah. But never, and go and find yourself a man. But never, oh, have you had a thought about adoption? Or have you had a thought about surrogacy? Never that. But always the clock is ticking. And I I guess that's for every woman, African woman. As soon yeah. as you hit the age of 25, they're on your case. I mean, can I ask that before this podcast, Crystal, had you actually considered alternative ways of childbirth? Had you tried to take some kind of action? I wouldn't say I took action, but I, I have done research mostly into adoption. Okay. That has, even in my 20s, without knowing what the future held, like I wouldn't have met anyone. I always thought even if I had got married and had kids I would still want to consider adoption because that's something that's kind of close to my heart so adoption yes but never freezing my eggs or surrogacy I, I never thought about that until later okay okay what about you Ruby I mean have you ever felt pressured by society or family it's an interesting one I think in my 20s that I was never pressured um uh, funny enough, if I think about my mom, my sister, um, both of them got married in their um, late 20s, early 30s. Uh, and so for my mom, she didn't kind of stress until I got into my early 30s because she's like, come on, that's the latest, right? Mm, mm, mm. Um, but but And after a while, actually, what surprised me was a conversation I had with my dad, you know, Niger guy to the core, but sometimes mm -hmm. I say he's Niger with speckles of Western influence. We had a conversation probably about a year ago where he said, you know, um, sorry, not a year ago, probably about two years ago, he said, you know, you're single, you, you're doing really well for yourself, you, you haven't met someone that you choose to settle with, have you considered adoption? Mm. And there's nothing wrong with you considering that. And I thought that was really nice uh, and a different change of conversation from go and find yourself a man like they are, they are in a shopping center that you go and buy, you know, and that was really nice change. Uh, and I did consider, consider that, but I didn't get any, 
so in the last, I don't know, year or so, I've not had so much pressure. Um, and so I, I did think about um, adoption and I did think about egg donation as well. Um, but I haven't, but beyond doing the investigation and checking myself out, I haven't taken a step further because it's still something I'm debating in my own mind, really. Yeah, okay. I mean, for me, I, I get pressure from family. Society pressure, I probably get it, but I'm not so attuned to it. But I do get pressure from family, but not, more, not about childbirth, more about finding the man, then having the child. So it's, you know, it's that Yoruba thing of, um, you know, we'll carry your children, you know, um, you know that kind of thing. I, I still get that pressure. Um, but only from close family members. I don't get it from friends. I don't feel it from society. And, and I have considered alternative ways of childbirth, but we're gonna pick that up when we talk about each of the methods. So um, let's discuss some of the alternative options to biological childbirth. Um, surrogacy is one of them. And in the UK and in America, it is a recognized way to have children. And there are already several laws that govern this method of childbirth that protect both the surrogate and the parent. Um, so which means they've thought about it and put some laws in place to govern it. Um, surrogacy itself is an arrangement um, supported by a legal agreement where a woman can agree to bear a child for another person or a persons, perhaps a couple, who will then become that child's parent after birth. Um, so the child will belong to the, not to the person who gave birth to the child, but to the, you know, to the parents who requested for the surrogate to give birth to the child. I mean, what, what do you guys, I mean, so Ribby, why do you think this is not um, popular or recognized um, way to have children within our community? Um, what do you think the reasons are for this? So I think in the, First of all, starting with the UK, uh, surrogacy is not record. It's it's accept. It's it is. It can happen, but it's not recognised, and it doesn't protect um, parents if they want to go with a surrogate. It's not recognised, and you will have no protection because it's still considered that um, the surrogate is the biological mom. Okay. And so, if you go ahead with surrogacy, you are putting yourself a little bit at risk because if the mom decides that that's that's my child, that's her child, especially if it's her egg, mm. you know. So you you really so there's there isn't it's a bit of a gray area from a legal perspective. Even if, even if you do have a contract, you are not necessarily protected. And secondly, mm -hmm. in the UK, the idea it's almost seen as you're buying a child, so you wouldn't be able to pay. The surrogates it's not allowed you can pay for her expenses but you can't pay her some money mm. so again that makes you less protected under law in america um, though, that said it's not that strict you can actually pay surrogates to have yeah children. in america it is but in the uk it's not okay um and so just thinking from a from a uk perspective um i think that's that's one area i think the second area is um if as a woman you find out that you, 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 you cannot carry a child to term for maybe there's an issue with your womb or whatever, um, I think it's certainly in our culture, um, there are a lot of men, and I, I happen to have dated one who said he did not want um, 
to have a child birthed by another woman because that wouldn't be a product of both of us. Um, so there was that kind of aspect. I didn't really know how to process that in my head, but mm-hmm. you know, as far as he was concerned, and I know a lot of guys think that way, that my child has got to be my child and your child, not some other mm. woman's child. So they don't differentiate between, um, they don't separate the womb from the woman, if you like. Um, and I guess also there is a lot of lack of understanding about surrogacy and there's a lot of gray area around surrogacy. And I personally think surrogacy can get very messy legally um, and emotionally as well for the surrogate as well as the carrier. So it's, it's just, I don't think it's necessarily a cultural issue. I just think it's, there's a big unknown around it mm. and it can get very messy. And I don't know that as a woman, I would want to go through that emotional drama Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, poor child can get confused later on, like who actually is my mom? And what if the surrogate changes her mind later on? I'm sure that there are myriad of law cases of these kind of, who is then the real mom late Mm. and and it's just messy. So I, I wouldn't touch it personally. Um, especially when you're not protected by law. I mean, do you, have you, do you know anyone who's actually gone down the surrogacy route? Have you got any examples to share? No. I know people who've discussed it, but for the reasons I explained, wouldn't wouldn't go further. Um, what about you, Crystal? Um, do you think it's recognised way to have child in the black community? Um, not really, because of um, as Ruby said. I think Ruby said most of the things I was going to say, but because mostly of the emotional implications, because. It's emotional for both parties. I don't think, you know, when you've, you, you have a connection to a baby that you've, um, that's been inside you for nine months. And then I would think to then hand the baby over oh. to someone, which is yeah. kind of the same as adoption as well. It's, it must be very difficult and for the parent who wants the child as well, what if you have a connection with the child and it's taken away from yeah, you? Yeah. It's just, it's messy. It just sounds really messy. But having said that, in the black community, our options are not discussed enough. So mm-hmm. there's also that. Um, yeah. Do you have any examples of surrogacy? Do you know anyone or have you heard of anyone who's um, gone through the surrogacy route? I have not. Yeah. I've not heard of anyone or, and I don't I, know anyone. I, I think in the black community, it's not something we consider at all. But I also understand from Ruby's point of view that being in the UK, it's not even just a problem um, for the black community alone because... There are a lot of concerns with surrogacy. One, the child might not look like you or looks like you and, you know, any member of your family, which is one of the things people value when they have their own children. Um, the other thing is you might not know, want people to know that you use the surrogate to have your child. And because the birth mother is still very much around, how do you hide that? And as Ruby mentioned, that can get messy if the birth mother comes back later and says look that's my child how do you negotiate and manage that so I I guess there are a lot of pros and cons to having um 
birth by via surrogacy so we shouldn't always look at the negative because obviously the positive is you do get to have a child um you do experience that child together with the birth mother experience the especially if you're medically infertile you do experience you know what that child experiences you know or what that mother experiences because you're around the mother when that mother is giving birth you get to be in the hospital with her you get to feel all the emotions know when the baby is kicking you get to be involved in the birth of that child um, and I think that's probably the single most advantage of surrogacy thor- um, but as we've all said it can be emotionally uncertain and messy so you know you just have to look at the pros and cons of that um, let's talk about adoption because we've all mentioned that we've considered it I, I myself have definitely considered adoption as a means to have a child um, adoption itself is a process through which a person assumes permanent legal responsibility for a child. Um, once the adoption is finalized, the adoptive parent becomes a legal parent of that child. There is no legal difference between an adopted child and one who is born biologically into the family. And this is the single most important fact of adoption. You become the parent of that child, legally and in you know all the ways that actually matter. Nobody can come back later and say, that is my child. Um, I, I need to stress that adoption is very different from fostering. While adoption is a permanent legal process, fostering is not a legal process and it is temporary. Um, where in adoption, the court transfers all the parental rights of the child to the new parents. When you foster a child, you're actually caring for a child on behalf of someone. Um, for instance, or in, in the local authority or the council or government, or you're even caring for the child on behalf of the birth parents who may not be able to care for that child for that moment, so they give you their child to foster w- without any sort of legal um, ramifications. When you do adopt a child, you become the legal parent. So that child has exactly the same legal status as your family and any other family, and that constitutes throughout the child's entire lifetime. Um, so it's, it's very different for fostering. Um, it's worth also mentioning that in terms of adoption, children of black and minority ethnic heritage often wait the longest to get adopted, um, especially our black boys. Black boys, I, I think, I don't know about America, although I, I suspect it's similar. Black boys um, get a lot of flack and they are, they take, they have to wait longer to be adopted. In the UK, many adoption agencies and charities are specifically on the lookout for adopters of Black, Caribbean, African, or dual heritage, so that they can enable the child to be matched with adopters who can identify, who they can identify with culturally, visually, and emotionally. Um, So that's really important. And I think for some reason, the Black community doesn't adopt as often um, as the, you know, other communities. Um, Crystal, have you ever considered adoption? Tell me about your journey. Yeah, I have, in my, as I was saying earlier, in my 20s, I always thought, you know, even if I did have my own biological children, I would still love to adopt a child, to give another child a chance. And to be honest, 
I have kind of looked into it, but not as much as I could have. Mm. But I, in my own mind, and this is just me, so other people might not think of it that way. I'm a single woman. I don't have a partner. I, the moment I don't have a boyfriend. And I think a child needs that structure. And I wouldn't want to bring a child who could potentially find, you know, a home with both parents in where they would have like a nice structure. And I get that, of course, they're children who come from single homes who thrive, but it's something you need to think about. Am I really giving this child the best that they could have. And I know of a woman who adopted a child, she's American, so maybe different, but she adopted a child from Haiti. Mm-hmm. And she said, whenever she went through the adoption process, she always asked, give me a child who would not have a chance. In- if you have thyroid eye disease, and you go through artificial tears in the blink of an eye, it might be time to discover another treatment option. To learn more, visit TreatMyTed.com. That's TreatMyTed.com. Anyway, so would not be adopted by, um, what do you call it, both parent household kind of thing. Can you give me that child? And she ended up adopting a girl who had HIV because apparently no one would adopt her. Mm. So I think for me, that's something I always consider that as a single woman who may or may never have a partner, am I at this stage in my life, if I do adopt a child, am I giving them the best that life has to offer? And then um, on the African perspective of adoption, it, it's, I don't know why um, Nigerians most especially, I'll speak for Nigeria because that's where I'm from, where Nigerians don't want to adopt. I, I know of a couple who don't have children. They've tried IVF and all of that and it's not worked out. And we've been saying to them, adopt. And the husband replied and said, if we do adopt, our church are going to say to us that we've lost faith in God. Mm. And I'm like, so you're going to listen to what your church says and not do what will make you happy as a couple. So Mm. his wife is in her late forties and he's going to be 50 soon, but they still have no children and they want them. So I don't know if religion is a factor into why people don't want to adopt as much as they do, because I know that it's not an option almost with Nigerians or it's few and far between, but I don't know if you guys have a different experience of that. I I would say that I, I, for, for black African, they tend, I, I think people want to adopt younger children so it looks like they had the children or so they can raise that child, um, you know, instilling their own 
culture and belief and morality on that child. With older children, I think that might be, a, they might be considered a little bit harder. I understand what you mean by in some cases, religion might become a factor. Um, but I, I, you know, when it comes to belief, I think that's quite personal. It might just be, they consider they're testing their faith. I, I don't know, uh, but definitely I, I, I would say it's, it's, it's probably a factor. Um, I myself have considered, considered adoption and I've even gone as far as registering with one of the councils um, to adopt. And it is not an easy process. And I think I wasn't committed enough to it, which is why I probably didn't go through with it. Because one of the things you have to do is prove or attend some certain sessions where they give you briefs. So these sessions are on fixed dates. It, they're not online or it might have changed now, but they're not online or drop-in sessions. So you have to make the time when those sessions are available and go to those sessions. And then you're, then they now give you the form to fill. And most times in UK, they do not have, you, you don't necessarily, you can hold out for a younger baby, but you won't necessarily get a younger baby, which is tends to be what a lot of people want when, you know, apparently there's a high demand to adopt younger children um, for the reasons that I've mentioned. Um, I also think there might be a slight bias to single women or single parent families. And so the councils will prioritize um, a family of two over a single parent family. Um, but that said, each council has their own process and their own needs, depending on how many children are on their adoption lists. So, you know, it's, it's definitely always worth going through the process. I mean, Crystal, I'm sorry, Rebe, have you considered adoption? Um, yeah, I have. Um, you know, I said before that my dad and I had a conversation about this, and so I did, and I, and I uh, did some research online and things like that. Um, so when I, the first time I explored this, I was also single and I wasn't dating or anything. Um, and I had a kind of a debate with myself because it's the point that uh, Crystal made about being single and adopting uh, and, you know, trying to give the best to this, to any child that you bring into your life, the, the benefit of two parents um, versus you trying to do everything by yourself. Um, and I do recall a friend of mine, um, South African lady who was in her mid forties at the time, who was single. She did not have anybody in her life. And she kind of felt like, look, I don't think I'm going to meet anybody at this stage. So, and I do want to have children in my life. So she adopted a little girl. It took her a while. Um, but she eventually did. And she said it was like the best thing that ever happened to her. And when I look at the two of them, I don't see the child missing out on anything. You know, she has a great support structure around her uh, and she invested that time. And so I felt like, look, if she can do it and she managed, why not me? Mm. Um, I started, but then I paused because work got crazy and then I met someone. Um, and when I met someone, he was just not interested in this idea of adoption. He was like, if it's not from me and you, forget about it. 
And for a while I thought, okay, that, that's fair, that makes sense. Um, but obviously that relationship didn't work out. And so, you know, back to the drawing board, if you like to say, okay, when is the right time um, for me to do that? And is it the right time and what do I want? So it's, it's a constant discussion that I always have. Um, it's not something that I have stopped uh, thinking about. Um, yeah, and in terms of the, the, the community, in terms of them kind of, um, what, what is the view? So I know that adoption is actually on the increase in Nigeria. Why do I know this? A cousin of mine is on the wait list to adopt. She's been on the list for six months. Um, you know, and there is, there is a very robust process. She was telling me about it. There is a wait list, there's all of that stuff. So I think things have changed in the last two or three years with regards to adoption. I think people are less fussed about, do I know, do I not know? Yes, I know there's a preference for having your baby because you wanna, as you said, instill your own values. And actually, if a child is older, you have to respect their values that they have formed at that time. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they, they you know, I'm not particularly fussed whether it's a baby or it's not um, because, you know, a child is a child and child needs all the same things as a baby will do. Um, it does take a, a lot more out of you. So if anything, it's a caution about you have to be ready to invest that time. And having been single so long and not being responsible for anybody but yourself, it is a change that you one has to get ready to, to make. And if you're single, it is that much harder because there's nobody else to share that journey with you and share the responsibility with you. So it's something that needs to be thought about really well. And then you create that structure to support you as well. And that's what you need to think about. Um, um, Crystal. Yeah, um, I just wanted to say that um, with adoption, although it's um, really difficult, there's certain things you can do to make it in the UK, to make it a bit easier for yourself that I've heard of, like you can um, help take care of foster children at weekends, or you yourself can start fostering children, you know, short term, maybe one week, two weeks, you have children coming in and out, because then that makes that then they see that you're already taking care of children. And then another thing I wanted to say was that um, as a single woman, if you have a, if you have met, you, you don't need to have a partner, but if you have strong male role models that you think your child could learn from, then that's a good, that's a good way to bring a child, uh, to adopt a child and have uh, male role models. Mm. And maybe for black um, Caribbean boys and African, maybe that's one of the reasons it's harder to adopt them because people are thinking, especially if they're older, people are thinking they've already formed, you know, these ideas and maybe it's gonna be hard to bring them up, especially single women. So um, I'm gonna go on to talk about egg donation now. Um, egg donation is a process by which a woman donates eggs to enable another woman conceive as part of an assisted reproduction treatment. In the UK black and Asian community, there is a shortage of egg donors, leaving couples with infertility issues on long waiting lists for an egg donation. This is due to the 
um, community stigma associated with infertility. And that's in both the black and Asian communities. Um, there are lots of sort of companies and charities that specialize in finding, matching and looking after um, altruistic egg donors with one-to-one -one anonymous donations. So you can actually donate your egg um, anonymously just to help out another black couple. Um, is this something you guys are aware of, Ribby? Yeah, I am. Um, what I would also say is I don't think it's necessarily just a stigma. I think there's also a lack of awareness. So I know certainly in my 20s and 30s, I didn't consider egg donation because I didn't think it was a, I didn't think about it. So it's not because of a stigma. Um, and also because the technology for donation, um, for, for that is, has improved over time. Um, so freezing your eggs and all of that is much better now. At the moment, actually, you can only freeze your eggs for, for 10 years. So even if you are donating, you, it's got a 10-year lifespan um, at the moment before it has to be destroyed. I think they're re looking to change the law, but they haven't changed it yet as far as I'm aware. I should so also I even mention that in order to donate your eggs, I think you have to be under 35. There's a time window where they will allow you to donate your eggs. Privately, you can you can do it. They will just need to check that your eggs are healthy. Okay. Um, but you can do it privately, certain spaces. Generally, though, yes, you are right. It is about that age range. Yeah. Um, what about you, Crystal? Is this something? Were you? Is this something you knew about? Yeah, it's something I knew about, um, but only recently, to be honest. Oh, right. And as Ribby was saying, there's lack of awareness in our community about this. So there needs to be more awareness because if people know about it, if I knew about egg donation in my twenties, I would have definitely donated my eggs for sure. But no, I, I didn't know. And I didn't know about it until recently. So mm. how, yeah. do you, how do you think that these charities could have reached out to you? to make you at least aware that it was a possibility and that it could be done anonymously? I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know. It depends on the, I guess, the groups. I don't know. Maybe. I don't, maybe I don't think it's, I don't think it's up to the charities to reach out to anybody. I think it's for women to make choices for themselves to get informed. Is what we're saying. Yeah, so I know that, but. Know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But if, but the, you don't know what you don't know, but you will find out if it's something that you're thinking about, right? If you don't know how to build a financial future for yourself until you have a conversation with somebody and talk about it. It's one thing not to know where to find the information. It's another thing to not even consider the question. So I think it's the same. I'm guessing it's the same as like um, when you're in your 20s, your family or friends or society letting you know that it's not just about getting married. You also need to think about your fertility and what options exist for you, such as freezing eggs or egg donations or things like that. Is that what you mean? The way I look at it is, look, this is not... Today, we have so much access to information at, at the, on your laptop. If you Google this, there is a lot that is available. It is about planning for ourselves going forward. So the, the questions I'm asking myself today are because I am now having to make some choices. And if I, if I thought about this in my 30s, I would still, I would have asked, I would have put in a plans in my 30s. I think the idea that somebody has to reach out to us to tell us is taking away our responsibility to ourselves and to our bodies and to our lives. So I think uh, 
just because of the, the, the age that we live in, there is a lot of information out there. I personally don't need a charity to come and tell me to plan my life. Mm. I think that, you know, it's my body, it's my life, it's my choice. The facilities are there for me to educate myself. What I, so, and you can only be responsible and accountable for yourself. So, you know, one of my fundamental beliefs is what is in your locus of control? Mm. What I can do also, knowing what I know, is make sure that the girls that are coming behind me, my nieces, you know, my nephews, are informed and are aware. And we're having those conversations that I can do. I love that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would like to disagree with you because sometimes you need awareness because sometimes you're not thinking about, maybe you're not thinking about it. It's not because you don't want to or you don't need it, but when someone brings it to you, then you're like, oh yeah, that's something I've not considered. So I guess maybe when you go for a checkup, maybe your GP is telling you, have you thought about this? These are the charities. You know how they give you leaflets and stuff? Maybe. I'm just saying, but I don't think everyone is that way inclined to be like, yeah, I need to plan my life this way. I need to do this, this, this. Some people need a bit of a push, a bit of a shove, a bit of a reminder to know that they need to do stuff. So do you have a suggestion on how... Sorry, just to come back on that, um, we, we're going to have to disagree because I just believe as women, we talk about empowering ourselves and owning our lives. Um, I think in, it's different in the, when I was in my 20s where access to information was very restricted and therefore it did make sense that you would have a helping hand. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have a helping hand. All I'm saying is access is there. It's available now. There is no excuse for not going on. I mean, just Google, you know, what fertility or getting pregnant there are a myriad of things pop up that you can filter you can go and have a discussion with your gp and actually we do get reminders i got a call the other day from my clinic saying time to do your smear test you know i got a call from my gp that t- told me that so there is a lot but of stuff smear out there is different from reminding you to- i know what i'm saying is there are people reaching out about our rent our physical our physical health so as I'm going to get a smear test about my own body, I could have a conversation. Is, is there anything else I need to be thinking about? Um, I could have that conversation with my GP. So if they can reach out to me about that, it's just saying that people are reaching out. But at the end of the day, it's still my body. You know, it's still me. I still have the locus of control. Um, let me ask you, um, Crystal. So how do you think in your 20s or early 30s you could have, you, you could have gotten this information if you were not proactive. How do you think you could have found out or how do you think somebody could have best reached out to you to give you that information? I think the GP is one. Like if there are leaflets or stuff around, I don't know if there are, maybe there are, I don't know. But if there are leaflets and stuff around, and of course, um, in my 20s, there was the internet, but I don't know. Anyways, yeah, I think, I, I get that you have to be proactive about thinking about it, but maybe in your 20s, you're not because you're thinking about other stuff. You're yeah, but how could they have reached husband. out to you? How could you have, if you're not doing it yourself, could a charity have come, would you have gone to a seminar? Could they have reached out to you online? Um, do you think your auntie should have told you? Um, is it a group of friends? I mean, what, what do you think? I, we're talking solutions or sort of possibilities. Yeah, more, I think, 
maybe yeah if there were charities like that maybe reaching out to people who are at that age is mm -hmm. a good idea making them aware that this charity is here and this is what we do i have never heard of that charity before so let me do a shout out here to um a company called altrui and their website is well www.altrui.co.uk and they are um, focused on finding and matching and um, donors one-on-one -on -one, um, with, um, with people who need the eggs and they, you know, they'll help you do it anonymously and they are always looking for black donors. So if this is something you're interested in, please reach out to altrui.co.uk. Um, the final question I'm going to ask you is, so you, you both seem to like the idea, but let me just ask, um, Rebe, do you think black women can and should support each other more by donating eggs? I think if, it's a personal question, right? I think uh, if, if you, I think it's the right thing to do if you, and I, if I had known about this in my 20s, I certainly would have. I would have donated and I would have frozen my eggs, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so certainly I think it's something that should happen. I think the reason why it didn't happen is, one is, it, it, there's a myriad of reasons. One is um, a lack of knowledge and awareness, uh, awareness of the fact that you can donate your eggs. Number two is that just because you donate your eggs doesn't mean that you are necessarily shortening your own chances that's because right, let's yeah. remember, we lose eggs every month anyway. Yep. So, um, so there is that uh, reality. And also the fact that, um, onto the point of freezing, slightly aside from your question, but you know, the fact that we are, we are born with a finite number of eggs and every month it reduces in quantity and quality. Um, not knowing or being aware of that um, will also be a factor in why it doesn't happen because yeah believe it or not there are women that think that every month they they, they get more eggs and they don't mm. um so i think these are the reasons why there are stigmas of course um and i don't know where those stigmas come from i don't want to kind of assume but there are stigmas about it as well but certainly for me it's something that women should should uh, should do um, Crystal, do you think black women can and should support each other more in don by donating eggs? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I agree with Ribby. If I had known in my 20s, I would have definitely um, donated and frozen my eggs. I've heard of companies that actually pay for women to freeze their eggs. A friend of mine was telling me about one recently which I think is really good. They don't, they don't, they, so let me just clear that out. They do not pay, um, oh, you, are you talking about paying to freeze your eggs or paying to donate eggs? Yeah, to freeze their eggs, yeah. Really? Interesting, okay. Yeah. Um, that said, in the UK, you are given sort of, um, not payment to donate your eggs, but you're given sort of an, in, an allowance and convenience simply because you will have to miss out work to take the appointments required in order to um, donate your eggs. But, you know, if you talk to Altrui or any other egg donation charity, they'll give you that information. So, just to let people very quickly know, if you're considering freezing your eggs, just remember at the moment, you can only freeze your eggs for up to 10 years. 
And after that, those eggs um, are destroyed. Um, so I think the law is being looked at, but at the moment, don't take my word as gospel, but I believe it's a 10 year time limit. Okay, it's good to know. All right, so um, I'm coming to our rapid fire section. You know, at the end of every podcast, we do rapid fire. And um, as single women, we've covered the topic of surrogacy, adoption, and egg donation as ways or to um, have children. Um, so my question is um, to Ribby. Yes. Considering we're all single, which childbirth option would you consider if you had to take action in the next 12 months? Adoption. That's okay. pretty straightforward. Okay. What about you, Crystal? If you had 12 months? Adoption. Adoption, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, as usual. Thank you for joining us. But wait, um, wait, wait. You didn't answer the question. Oh, I would... Ooh. You, so... I would not choose any because I have the, the one reason, because I have considered adoption in my 30s. And then I got to a point where I decided that I do not want to be a single parent. Um, and that is so important to me, not to be a single parent, that to me, any, other, any alternative of having a child outside a relationship or a partnership is is just not an option for me. And that's perfectly valid because let's yeah. remember there are some women that don't want to have kids at all. Again, that's right, choice yeah. and that's absolutely valid. And there are those that don't only want to have kids with a partner. And again, that is valid. We all are, you know, and there's no right or wrong on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Thanks everyone. Lady. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to the Talking Single Podcast. Want to continue the conversation? Then follow us on Instagram with the handle at Single Talks Podcast. Tag us on any post with the hashtag Single Talks. And trust us, we will look at every post you send. Then head over to our website, singletalkspodcast.com, where you can find all our podcast episodes. We are also downloadable on Apple Podcasts, Google Play and other podcast platforms. Don't forget to leave us a review. You can also email us at singletalkspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to have your comments, questions, or even future topics to cover. Till next time, take care. What can give you a competitive edge in today's red hot housing market? Rocket can. That's because Rocket Mortgage can give you a verified approval. It could help your offer stand out because when you find the perfect home, you don't want to lose it to anybody else. Rocket technology provides a rock solid verification of your income, assets, and credit, giving sellers and their agents greater confidence in you. We've already helped over 1 million clients just like you reach their home financing goals this year alone. So remember this. What can help you buy the home you really want? Rocket can. Go to rocketmortgage.com or call us today at 8338-ROCKET. That's rocketmortgage.com or call 8338-ROCKET. A verified approval is based on an underwriter's analysis of your individual financial information appraisal and title report. Call for cost information and conditions equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states and MLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030.